Why'd you give up that shield? Why are you making such a big deal out of something that has nothing to do with you? Steve believed in you. He trusted you. He gave you that shield for a reason. That shield, that is, that is everything he stood for. That is his legacy. He gave you that shield and you threw it away like it was nothing. Right, so maybe he was wrong about you. And if he was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. Derek. And I'm Noah. And you're listening to A Bite Of. Where we take our current favorite pop culture obsession and enjoy it one nibble at a time. Yay. Falcon of the Winter Soldier, episode two. Number two. Here we go. We are almost halfway done with Falcon and Winter Soldier. And it's crazy to even think that with how much there needs to be done and what we have so far. The, uh, two sixths. One third. Hello. That's a big chunk. That's math. The uh, <laughs> fractions? Oh my god. They made me do fractions. <laughs> All right. So before we get into our breakdown and analysis and recap of the most recent episode, friendly reminder, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at a bite of pod. You can find us on Patreon. Join our new Facebook group. We got people putting memes, discussing things. Super fun. Heck yeah. <laughs> so let us take a look back at last week's episode, The New World Order, where we meet Sam and Bucky again. But our friends are not together. They're kind of on their own little roads right now. Sam is working for the government. He's teamed up with a guy named Danny Torres. They're working a mission in Africa. We see Bucky, who's trying to make amends for things he's gone through in his past. And in this episode, we are introduced to the idea of a group called the Flag Smashers, who want a world without borders. Yeah, they want it how the world was during the blip. Which seems very specific. I mean, a lot happened in five years, apparently. <laughs> apparently, and it kind of wrecked a whole bunch of stuff. Mm. But we see them trying to get on with their lives. And so Sam goes back down home, sees his sister. He wants to make things right with her and their family fishing boat. Bucky, again, is going through these therapy sessions. He has a friend who he has lunch with. He's trying to go dating. And throughout all of this, we see Sam actually donating Cap's shield to the Smithsonian. He does Ooh. not want to take up the helm. Right. So we're all very upset by this. Mm-hmm. And by the end of our episode, we have a run-in with the Flag Smashers, and we see that a brand new Captain America has been introduced. Goober. Yes, and it ends with a wink at the camera. I don't like it. Whatever. Cool. <laughs> I'm not going to hate on him too much. Try not to until he actually does something bad. I know. I personally have a hard time calling him Captain America. Right. So there's that. I'm just putting that forward. But before we get into our episode this week, of course, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about everything that happened in episode two. So you've been warned. Yeah. Let us officially <laughs> take a bite of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier Episode 2, The Star-Spangled Man. Right. So, I, you know, the MCU going into Phase 4, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where they're going. And I think a lot of people are. We've only had literally one other show. And so far, all of this stuff seems very self-contained. Mm -hmm. So what I'm feeling... So... How do I explain this? They, you can't go forward with Cap or a new Captain America without looking back. And I felt like WandaVision really played on a lot of dealing with your past stuff as well. So it seems like phase four until they start introducing a lot of new stuff, then it's going to be our characters we've known mm -hmm. dealing with the past to move forward. Yeah. So it's a very much interesting phase four so far it's not like here's thor here's iron man here's captain america bam avengers it's like no we're gonna be dealing with a lot of stuff that happened. yeah and like wandavision was so self-contained and it's literally self-contained in westview mm. through the hex uh whereas this one feels like if you're not paying attention to what they're actually saying you could get lost because right. it's pulling on so many different threads from the past from the future from the present that like you gotta pay attention mm -hmm. otherwise things can get wild and you'd be like wait why are they in germany <laughs> <laughs> they do travel a lot yeah it's not like wandavision where they stayed in westview this one is like oh we're in germany oh we're in the united states oh we're in baltimore it's like okay <laughs> we're all over i'm hanging on so this episode opens with a very sensual unzipping i didn't know what was going to happen mm. in, <laughs> in that one so john walker is the government's new selected captain america and 
this comes right after Sam had given the shield to the Smithsonian. So it was kind of, it was shitty that one, maybe the government didn't want to tell anybody, probably not, but it was just shitty that he donated it, thought it was going to be on display. And then the government's like, hey, can we have that shield, please? Thank you. Yeah, they were just like waiting in the wings. They're like, lock the box, lock it. And then they <laughs> run in and take it. They were just at the ready to get that shield back. So this whole first scene is really John Walker making his first appearance as Captain America. And of course, it's on like a splashy Good Morning America segment. I think what this scene really does is that it humanizes John a little bit, right? Because tries to. it tries to. So we see him in his high school locker room. We meet his wife. We meet his best friend. We see that he has fears. That was he... that his wife? Yeah. It was really? Or or his or his significant other. We right. I, I was just curious because like they seemed like they could either be like high school friends, which they were, or in a romantic relationship. Well, I'm curious to see where that well, you goes. Figure how many years out of high school is he? She says, I used to sneak back in here before every game. And he said, that's why we would probably always win because we would have an interaction. Mm -mm. So they were together in high school. They do their little pinky thing. They kiss each other's thumbs. And then he says, I love you. And she says, I love you too. So they're in some sort of relationship that's gone on for many years. So he's got that all American boy high school sweetheart thing happening. And he's just sitting there going like, I just want to do a good job. And he's nervous. And you're kind of like, oh, maybe John Walker is just like a guy who's good at his job. Yeah. I know. I don't believe it. That's the picture they're painting, yeah. though. They're using those red, white, and blue strokes pretty heavily. <laughs> During this Good Morning America segment, we find out a little bit about John Walker's background. So the person that's interviewing him pretty much says along the lines of like, he's the first person to get three Medal of Honors. The government studied his body at MIT. In this conversation, John Walker mentions how he's not Steve, how he's not Tony. Girl, you're not even Clint Barton. Like, sit Ooh. down. Stop. <laughs> Ooh, fighting <laughs> work. You have not gotten there yet. <laughs> like... <laughs> but the interesting thing is, is that, again, the government is using this role of Captain America to be almost a figure of propaganda, right? So when he runs out onto the field, there's T-shirts, there's hats, there's sweatshirts, there's Action posters, figures already. Action figures already. I mean, the man already. was given the shield, like, what, two days ago? Yeah. <laughs> and they had all this stuff pumping out manufacturing. It's... I mean... I guess if it's the government that's doing this stuff, they could they have a lot of sway. I mean, they struck such a deal with Hasbro. They were like, <laughs> get those action figures rolling. And I'm sure he has a button in the back that if you press it, he's like, I'm Captain America. Good morning. Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> this whole scene reminds me a lot of like the publicity tours that the newly super serumed Steve went on. During the events of Captain America, First Avenger, there's this parallel like he is becoming the new Captain America. But since the government really created him just like Steve at first, they're like, OK, you need to like push all this propaganda. You need to like you need people to like you. <laughs> yeah. And in the comic Sam Wilson, Captain America that I read for for research on this, we even see Sam dealing with that, like being pushed out in front of people, having to go mm -hmm. to meetings. And, and at the base of it, in every instance... Every man who's held the helm is always like, I just want to do the job. Right. I, I don't want to go to another meeting. I did do an appearance. I'm done. I feel like the difference between this one and, and Steve's was that instead of like selling war bonds or whatever Steve was doing in that, like this guy is really trying to get like he's selling himself to America. Right. You know, like he's trying to sell himself, which it seems like most people are already on board with. I wouldn't be if I was personally, I'd be like, who is this? I don't know who this person is. <laughs> and I mean, I have to be honest, like I was sort of won over by him a little bit, right? He took the bait for the joke in the scene where mm. she was like, you know, wherever you go, do uh, eagles majestically fly over you or, or whatever he said. And he was like, uh, actually, they do. And I was like, OK, he took the joke. So mm -hmm. he's not taking himself too seriously. He knows the role. OK, I'm kind of liking this guy. So it's working. Nah. I've been brainwashed. I mean, look at Lex Luthor. He is quippy and on his toes. I'm sure... You know, somebody that's secretly a villain could play into some jokes, too. <laughs> it's charisma, baby. I did want to note before we move on from the scene. So the high school that he's at is Custer's Grove. And the marching band, so the, the song that we hear whenever he's coming out, is actually a modern version of the Star-Spangled Man ah. that we hear from the original Captain America movie. So, you know, Star-Spangled Man with the plan, which we hear Hopkins, his partner that we saw earlier, mm -hmm. come in and say. So I thought that was pretty cool. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, yeah. Tying it all together, baby. So all of this new like Captain America promoting stuff do obviously does not sit well with Bucky. 
we can see his face visibly upset, especially when he calls Steve like a brother. Like he didn't know him personally, but he's like a brother. It's like, okay, you need to, you're like, you're just stepping a little too far. Like you don't stop mentioning these people. Yeah. Like if you want to be Captain America and you want to be your own Captain America, be your own Captain America. Stop it. But it was in his press packet. He has to say it. They tell him he has to say it. (laughs) And I think the thing is, though, is that for Bucky watching this, Bucky has been a part of Steve's history, has been a part of his life. He knows all the things that Steve went through to take up the helm of Captain America. And then he sees this smarmy guy on TV sitting in the middle of a football field talking about his brother, basically. Right. It's like, back the fuck up, brah. Yeah, all of this makes Bucky seek out Sam Mm -hmm. because he's increasingly upset that Sam gave the shield up. Regardless if Sam wanted this to happen, he still gave the shield up to the Smithsonian. So he does confront Sam about it and he says, you had no right to give up the shield. And which Sam responds with, this is not what you're going to do. You're not going to come here with your overextended life and tell me about my rights. So that's, that's a lot. Like, I mean... We don't fully understand what Sam is going through. I think there's a lot of inferred things on why he doesn't feel like he can be Captain America. And also, Bucky is has his own motivations on why he's upset with that. So we have these two people that are pretty much Steve's wingman, but are upset that there's this new Captain America that nobody wanted in the first place. There's a lot to unpack there that is still probably going to keep unfolding throughout the series. I just can't believe how quickly they came together. I thought it was going to be such a journey for them to finally come together. It was going to come to a head. They're going to meet in a big battle. It was like, no, Bucky found Sam in DC to bust his chops, basically. I mean, they couldn't. (laughs) Yeah, they couldn't have the show titled The Falcon and the Winter Soldier if they weren't going to be together, like for most of it. Because if they didn't get together until the fourth episode, it should have just been, like I said last episode, Falcon and also the Winter Soldier. (laughs) (laughs) They had to come together soon. Comma, and at some point, comma, the Winter Soldier. (laughs) (laughs) But in this scene too, in the background, we see a lot of Cap is back, Mm -hmm. like military propaganda posters. And it's just furthering the narrative of they're just pushing this new Captain America. It's like, who are you trying to convince at this point? Like, who do you need to convince that this is Captain America? Everyone. Are you really that sure that this person is Captain America? And it's interesting that, like, in the sense of this world, there are heroes that exist already. So why does there need to be this one American hero? You know what I mean? It's like you have all these people. America. Well, exactly. Self-interest. And they're like, oh, there's literally a superhero with our country's name in it. Yes, we need one. (laughs) Get Mattel on the phone now. (laughs) So we do also get that big three conversation that sam mentions was his androids aliens and sorcerers i this is one of my favorite little quippy moments and this is what i was waiting for in this show was the banter because we've seen throughout the movies a little bit of falcon and bucky how they interact with each other one of my favorites i think prior to this was in civil war when they're fighting spider-man and they're like quipping back and forth with each other and also spider-man's quipping back with them it's so good they just have such good chemistry I love it. And Bucky has like the ultimate clap back when they bring up Gandalf. He's like, I read The Hobbit in 1937 when it first came out. It was like, bam. I mean, good for him. Okay, check the dates on the Goodreads, people. (laughs) He clocked in it at 37. I think that's a lot to ask for him to go on Goodreads. I'm going to have to side with Sam, though, on the whole wizards and sorcerers thing. Tell me more. Because I I mean, almost every sorcerer I've seen doesn't have a hat. And every wizard I've seen typically has a hat so it's like gandalf is a wizard he has a hat merlin typically is depicted with a hat he's a wizard but then all of like the sorcerers and stuff and comic books and stuff they don't have hats they have hoods but that's not a hat that's a hat attached to a cape okay let's make it more complicated witches <laughs> where do they fit in oh i'm i don't know <laughs> Just think about my girl Wanda. Okay. She's floating out there in Sokovia. Okay. Something's happening. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So since Bucky met up with Sam and is confronting about the whole Captain America problem, he ends up tagging along with him to his mission to Munich where Sam is tracking down the Flag Smashers. And your boy Red Wing found him. Thank you very much. Yeah. Red Wing is doing a lot in this series and I'm totally here for it. So pretty much this next sequence takes a huge chunk of this episode. Mm -hmm. And I feel like just like with the last episode where we got a huge flight scene in it, I feel like every episode might have a big action piece, which it should. Absolutely. Thank you. That's what I've been waiting for. And it's good reasons to this whole scene includes a lot of stuff that's good to break down. So one, it demonstrates Bucky using his vibranium arm to jump out of a airplane at 200 feet. Oh, my God. First of all. (laughs) 
Look, Bucky, I don't know. Look, we know that they weren't paid, okay? But this guy is ripping sleeves off of jackets left and right, Mm. jumping out of planes. Nothing gets ripped up, by the way. So not only is his body super strong, but the leather jacket and the jeans he's wearing, perfectly fine. Yeah. Good. (laughs) He looks great in them. Oh, he looks fantastic. (laughs) But I just don't understand why he had to rip that jacket up. It was a nice jacket. It fit him well. To show his sweet black and gold arm. I mean, okay. It's vibranium. That stuff is worth billions. He you... was like, check this out, Danny Torres. Yeah. I mean, he has to show that. There's also some really good banner between these two. So as they get to the Flag Smasher base, we see a bit more of that constantly. I love the part Bucky was sneaking closer to them. And Falcon is like, look at you being all sneaky. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. There's one part where, where Sam pops up next to Bucky and Bucky's like, Oh, hello. It's so good. (laughs) He's like, did I miss anything? No. (laughs) It's so good. We also get more use of Red Wing, Mm. the drone version of Red Wing throughout this. We see the Flag Smashers stealing vaccines. Obviously, they're super strong. We see about we see more of them. So there's obviously more of these Flag Smashers that are super strong and Mm -hmm. have the super serum. So that's a little concerning. As the Flag Smashers are leaving their base to take the vaccines wherever they're going, Bucky and Sam chase after them because Red Wing sees inside one of the semis also that there's a possible hostage. Well, lo and behold, when Bucky gets in there, it's none other than Carly Morgenthau. And she is the leader from what we know and what we've researched of the Flag Smashers. And she has super strength. Your girl's playing coy. She comes out, she pops out from like one of the things and she just like stares at him. She's like, oh, I'm a hostage. He's like, are you okay? And then she like paints this like wicked smile on her face and she kicks him in the chest. Yeah, it it really seems like these people, the Flag Smashers that have the super soldier serum are really enjoying them having the super strength and these abilities. Because, I mean, even just the look on her face, she's like, you can't do anything to me. Like, I am on your level. Mm -hmm. I can I can handle myself. So it's. It's one of those things these people are doing whatever they want for their cause, but they feel like they have the upper hand because they're like, oh, we're not useless anymore. We don't even have to use guns if we don't want to. We got this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's some really good use of CGI and practical effects and great choreography with fighting. We see Falcon on the top, Bucky on the bottom because he almost falls off. Mm -hmm. Also, great banter between them throughout this whole thing. But another important thing to note is that we get the tragic demise of Red Wing. (laughs) (laughs) she smashes red wing so hard i mean he's just a robot he can be rebuilt i'm sure his programming is saved in some server somewhere in the cloud oh my god no i know sam sam's fine sam will get him back but he wasn't upset about it so bucky is reveling in the fact that red wing got smashed (laughs) so towards the end of the fight when it looks like our duo might not be able to handle like eight super soldiers at once who None other than John Walker and Hoskins comes in and saves the day. This new Captain America and his sidekick. I, I don't like it. So right when they come in, he's like, hi, I'm Captain America. It's like, no, stop it. You don't have to announce yourself. <laughs> right? I think we can tell by the shield. <laughs> oh, but we do get some really sweet shield moves here that we like begrudgingly like to see again. Yeah, it did seem very. It, it seems like his only move that he can do is just throw and catch it, throw and catch it. You know what I mean? How bouncy are people's necks? This is something I want to know because it hits a person and returns right back to his arm. Well, it's vibranium, so it absorbs kinetic energy. Bam. Science. But if it absorbs it, how does it bounce? Well, that's what I mean. It comes back like a boomerang, but I don't know. Maybe there's a magnet thing happening with uh, with his cuffs. Eh, comic stuff. Yeah, I know. Just I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, meanwhile, they're, they're dancing on top of two perfectly choreographed side-by-side semis driving down some highway in Germany. They went into like fight formation or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So we we see what they're capable of doing. At this point, Sam and Bucky get thrown off of the semis and we get a beautiful, beautiful field and flowers nose to nose moment oh my with God, these two. So lovely. <laughs> I mean, I, it reminds me of Attack of the Clones in Star Wars. It reminds me of Twilight when they're in the meadow. I Ooh. mean <laughs> sparkling <laughs> it's just a lot it's so funny it was a perfect moment because i i feel like bucky at that moment was just like this is fun <laughs> <laughs> and i did want to mention too because at this point so hoskins gets like thrown off of the semi and 
John throws the shield under him to like catch him. I mean, he's really good with that shield, like a little too good with that shield. You know what else he's good with? A gun. Yeah, he does use a gun. Use the gun. Yeah. Captain America would need to use a gun. Just saying. No, sir. Just gonna just gonna point that out. So after the fight, Sam and Bucky are reluctantly picked up by John and Lamar Hoskins. We get like this awkward get to know you session between them. (laughs) So during the chat, Walker like projects a little of like humility or at least tries to. Because at one point he says, I'm trying to be the best Captain America I can be to Sam. But once again, he clearly suggests that he's the best person for the job. And he maybe inadvertently like insults Sam by saying he wants him to be his wingman. Yeah. You know, he's, he's like talking to the person that Steve directly passed the mantle to, but saying, I'm the best person for this job and I want you to continue to be my sidekick. Oh, right, exactly. There's there's that shitty moment of like, well, I've stepped into the shoes of the person that you used to work with, so you have to work with me now. Right. Like, it's like- Entitled? I'm here, <laughs> completely entitled. His whole thing is that- you guys should be respecting me and be working with me because look who I am. I have the shield. I was chosen. I mean, he's not saying that flat out, but that's sort of what he's inferring on them. I think it's the use of the eyes and me's and how it's his. Like that that language is just weird. And I think that, you know, the the more you dig into how John is portraying himself and how he's talking to people, that that's why it's not sitting right. Mm-hmm. Like regardless that this isn't Steve and like we wanted Falcon to be the next Captain America because we have no idea. We don't give a fuck about this John Walker guy, to be honest. But it's just the way he talks because I don't think Steve would talk that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm the best person for this job. Like I'm Captain America. It's like, no, he was given the opportunity to be Captain America and he made it better than what the just the name was. You're just trying to be the best person for the job. And it's not great. I don't like it. (laughs) We also learn here that, you know, they're they're now talking about the Flag Smashers and how they got there. And and Sam asked him, how did you how did you track them? And they're like, actually, we didn't track them. We tracked you through Red Wing. That's not great. Not great. But, you know, what's kind of cool here is like, you know, RIP Red Wing. But perhaps Sam can now build a new Red Wing that doesn't have a tracking device in it. Right. Hopefully. I mean, he... You know, they mentioned that, oh, it's government property. And it's like, okay, Sam, next time don't build it with government property. (laughs) Right, right. I guess he kept keeping the main frame of it and just replacing (laughs) physical parts. But now he could go in there and kind of revamp the bird or dreams come true, a real bird. Oh, I really (laughs) hope so. Yeah, It's like, yeah, track this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Like this whole Walker thing, it's not like it. It's not that like he's a jerk, but he already acts like somebody in charge. Yeah. And he, I think that the, during this whole conversation, that's the thing that's like not sitting well with me, at least, you know. He's so entitled. Right. And and that's the thing is that like, I, I feel like as viewers, we're trying to parse through everything he's saying to see, is he a good guy or is he a jerk? And he's giving you both. You see him as an honest guy just trying to do a job, but then you see him as an entitled jerk. So it's Right, like- but he hasn't done anything wrong, though. And I think that's like, I'm willing to like give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit. But it's it's that thing that Sam said at the end of the conversation that they had in this truck. It's like, it's always that last line. Then mm. it's like, yeah, that's like, you're just, you, you, you almost, almost made it. Right. Yeah. You, you didn't. But during this conversation, too, we also hear Hoskins talk about Battlestar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just as like a little Easter eggy thing. So Lamar Hoskins is in the comics an old military pal of John Walker's, just like how it is in this show. So they both got super strength from Power Broker. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the name mentioned at the end of the episode. Okay. And when Walker is installed as the new Captain America in the comics, Hoskins becomes his sidekick. So it, it seems like... Even if they don't go that route with both of them getting super strength, it's still the same way mm-hmm. in the comics, mm-hmm. you know. So he had he frequently appeared in the late 80s, but has not been in the comics really since. Yeah. So maybe that will change with the show. I, I always hope so that these characters that are, you know, shelved 
come back. Yeah. Especially with these shows. You can always tell how shelved they are uh, in the Marvel Encyclopedia with the <laughs> image that's used of them. If it's like a grainy one from the comics, you're like, oh, they have not been around in a while. <laughs> or if they're just not in it at oh, all. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just completely erased. <laughs> yeah. I, I think kind of like a main theme of this, especially with the truck fight and going forward, is it seems very much like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, so we see Sam and Bucky fighting the Flag Smashers and then, you know, New Cap and Battlestar, they're not together, but their main they both share an enemy in the Flag Smashers. So are we friends now? Are we allies? So it's interesting to see how this is shaping out. They don't really want to work together, but because they have the same enemy, it feels like they're fighting for the same thing. I feel like so there was a there's a comment that was made in this whole get to know me truck ride situation where they were talking about what the Flag Smashers are doing, you know, taking vaccines or whatever and put taking them to displaced communities. The way that John talks about it is like they're doing something wrong. They're taking our vaccines or something like that. But the way Bucky was, he was like, yeah, people that have the resources and stuff would say that. Right. Like you're not seeing it from why are they doing it? Like, yes, they might be doing something illegal by taking this stuff, but we don't know what they're doing with it. We don't like if they are taking it to these displaced communities, that's great. They should be getting help because this organization that was supposed to be helping people are only now concerned with people that came back from the blip and not people that were living those five years in like a dystopian or, you know, government was down time period. Yeah. Very taking from the rich and giving to the poor. Right. And so I think that there's there's this whole thing like Sam and Bucky, I feel like they're more going after them because one, they don't know what they're doing. They have super strength. They are doing something illegal, but they need to find out what they're doing. And then John and the government are like, you need to stop these people because they're criminals and they're villains. Yeah. And and I think it kind of goes back to a little bit what I was saying before with, you know, Sam and Bucky have been immersed in this entire story for their, you know, for, I mean, my God, for Bucky for 70, 80 years now. So they're, they're able to look past the actually what's happening to see the why is it happening. Right. Whereas new Captain America is just on a mission that was handed to him in a manila envelope. Right. And that's, that's the thing that I fear with him is that he's just a government watchdog yeah. or bulldog, you know, so that's not great. So the next scene that we get is Carly and the other flag smashers get to their hideout. We see at this point that the person that is hosting them pretty much says that like you're a freedom fighter, you're being considered like a Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. So that's just more reinforcing the fact that like whatever they're doing may be by bad, like they're not doing it in the greatest ways, but it seems like they're doing something for people that need it. This is why I like stories like this. And I like villains. And I use that lightly that there's more to them than just, oh, I just want to kill everybody. Right. It's like at this point, what we're seeing with the Flag Smashers is like they're doing something that might be good. And maybe at the end of this, Sam and Bucky help them out. I don't know. <laughs> and and we see that they have supporters, right? So this guy goes on about him and his wife. He prepares this back room for them in like his internet cafe or whatever it is. He hooks them up. He gives them food. He gives them bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like eight of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we see that it's a growing movement. Right. And that people who are just civilians are looking to help them because they agree with what they're doing. Yeah. We also see that Carly gets a text from ah. some mysterious person and it says, you took what was mine. I'm going to find you and kill you. That's a text I would never want to get. She seems not shooketh from it, but she seems like, oh, shit. Okay. She's like, mom? Yeah. <laughs> what did I do? New phone. Who dis? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I would just like not respond. I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it is sort of interesting, though, that like she doesn't share that information with everyone else to be like oh crap you know she does yeah. say something like after tomorrow it'll never be the same so if you're going to be sticking around you're in it for the long haul yeah i mean i think at this point so at the end of this episode we hear about power broker mm. and i think that this is who's texting her yeah agreed and if they were at one point working with power broker and with the name power broker it seems like you're a pretty big person and you don't want to fuck them over and there's money and there's greed right yeah and it seems like maybe what they stole was from this person so that's probably why like oh after tomorrow like when we leave and take all this stuff like it's just not going to be the same because now they have 
new cap after and they have Bucky and Sam. They have this power broker guy. Like mm-hmm. they're not doing great as far as enemy count goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure they have limited resources. So things are going to get a little dicey for our friends, the flag smashers. Well, but they don't have limited resources in the fact that everywhere they go, their symbol is painted everywhere on every wall all the time. <laughs> Listen, you just print out the stencil from their website, <laughs> flagsmashers.org. And then you just get some, you know, spray paint. Super easy. <laughs> but it has to be a specific shade. Oh, yeah. It's the Pantone color of the year, Flag Smasher Red. Ooh, you I like to get that. It. It's a little rust. It's a little orangey. FYI, did you know that there's a Pantone app that you can use your camera to literally find the Pantone color of whatever you want, like I in a picture, it. or you can just use your camera? It, I've used it so much. I'm like, I wonder what color Pantone thinks this is. And it's like summer orange burst sky i don't know why like a mug with a pantone color square on it makes me so happy it's just so (laughs) beautiful by the way the pantone color of the year for 2021 is ultimate gray and illuminating wait are there's two separate colors i don't know (laughs) it's the how can it be ultimate the pantone colors of colors of the year for 2021 are ultimate gray and illuminating which are a yellow and a gray Oh, fun. I yes, love yellow. I know. Yay. All right. So <laughs> on the plane right back, Bucky mentions to Sam that there's someone that you should meet, which brings the two men to Baltimore and the home of Isaiah Bradley, played by Carl Lumbly. Mm. Prior to them getting to the actual house, and I think there's a scene that is of note to mention. Absolutely. There's a young kid that calls Sam the, the Black Falcon, and Sam responds, is it because I'm black and I'm the Falcon? And the kid's like, well, yeah. And he's like, does that make you black kid? <laughs> And so Sam delivers these lines in a very easy way. Like he's talking to the kid how you should be talking to the kid, not getting upset or getting offended or anything like that. Like he knows how to talk to people. And but in this scene itself, if you think about the comic books, Sam Falcon was the first black superhero to be introduced in mainstream comics. And he was one of the few at that time and later that were introduced that didn't have the word black. In front of their name. Right. So, that you know, there's like Black Panther, Black Lightning. All of these characters have that as a moniker of like, this is the race of the character. And then this is also what they do. Yeah. Knowing from what we know about the show and the showrunner saying like, they're going to be dealing with, you know, real life issues and how the world is today. And, you know, from race to, you know, bigotry and all of that. And I think we're starting to see it come into the show. Yeah. Even in just like such a passing way like that. And I think that we were even introduced to it in the last episode when Sam was going to get the loan with his sister, Sarah, because this guy is going like, you know, we can't give it out. And she's like, give it out to like, you know, like people like us, you know? Right. So we're introduced to the fact that, you know, not only was Sam gone for five years from the blip, so that worked against him for getting the loan, but for Sarah in these five years has come up against so much and being a part, being a part of this country as a black woman and a single mother mm-hmm. has led to her challenges that nobody else will know about, right. you know, or, or experience unless you're in those exact shoes. Right. Exactly. So she's come to expect this reaction to being a black woman going to get alone. Mm-hmm. And so again, we're continuing with this very important and real, very real theme in this episode as well. Yeah. As they get to Isaiah Bradley's house, um, it's revealed that Bucky has known about this other super soldier for decades. He's older now, but it does seem like he still has super strength. There's just one part in the conversation where he throws like a tin box and it like goes into the wall. Apparently, the last time that Bucky and Isaiah saw each other was during the Korean War in 1951 when he ripped off like half of Bucky's arm. So good for you. Yeah. <laughs> able to handle him at some point with that (laughs) so it seems like the u.s government made a super soldier right to find the other super soldier that was bucky the winter soldier yeah but nobody knows about this right this happens in the comics as well this character exists in the comics his story is exactly the same as it is in the comics and it's upsetting it's super upsetting at this point bucky does disclose that he's not a killer anymore which comes with like a rounding dismissed isaiah doesn't care He doesn't care that he's not a killer anymore. He was, but whatever you're telling me at this point has nothing on what I went through and what I had to do because of you. And and he also says to him, you think you can wake up one day and decide who you want to be? It doesn't work like that. Well, maybe for people like you. Right. So again, we're seeing the experience of being a person of color as a superhero, right? So Captain America, Steve got to be this great national hero. Bucky gets to be pardoned, but what happened to me? 
as someone who had powers, who was in a war. Well, I got thrown in jail. I got tested on for 30 years. Yeah, he didn't get the hero's welcome that Steve got. He literally got a prison sentence and experimented on for 30 years. Yeah. It's insane. To even think about how Sam is feeling in this moment that like, okay, so there was a black Captain America, but this is what happened to him. Do you see why maybe I don't want to be Captain America? Right. Because it's a whole different thing to hold the mantle as a person of color than it is to be a blonde haired, blue eyed guy. Yeah. You know, white guy. So- Like all of this appears to be like a nod to his comic book origin. And I wanted to just talk about that for a split second. In the comics, Isaiah is known as the black Captain America, one of the handful of survivors of the super soldier serum, but they were experimented on by the U.S. government. It's a real life parallel to the Tuskegee syphilis studies Mm -hmm. that was performed on um, the black pilots. So there's a lot to this that I think that they're trying to give you. But it just there's so much in this that I think that we're going to continue to see in this show mm-hmm. in the same theme. Mm-hmm. And we continue to see it literally in the next scene. So as they leave Isaiah's home, they're arguing back and forth. And Sam is so angry with Bucky that Bucky never told him about Isaiah. And as they're arguing, a police car comes out of nowhere and they start to ask Bucky, is this man bothering you? Let's see your ID to Sam. Yeah, it like immediately like underscores everything that just happened. I mean, like Sam is obviously frustrated and upset that there was a, a black superhero that was mistreated. And I mean, like at this point, it's like, who does history remember? Right. Like nobody knows about this guy and he, he served his country and he did what he needed to do, but then he was fucked over in the end for it. And I think that, you know, this is really sort of a conversation on what it means to be, black and a superhero Mm. because the thing is is like you said with those names so early on you're always going to be reminded that they're black right and what does that mean you know and how are they going to be treated because of that and and we're seeing that being a superhero does not negate the color of your skin right and you still have to deal with everything that comes with that and and that is a driving force for sam i believe in so much of this yeah and it it comes increasingly clear when as the cop is talking to them and he's like, is this guy bothering you? Like, he's going to Bucky. Like, he's not even talking to Sam at this point. It's very clear and it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And when Bucky is like, do you know who this is? So the fact that he had to, one, remind them that this dude is a superhero and saved the universe. But he had to do that. He had to tell them, like, this guy's important. Like, what if he wasn't important? Right. Like, what if he wasn't a superhero, but he was doing nothing wrong? Let's also take a step back. Literally, there's two men in the street. One of them is a murderer for 70 years. The other one is a hero. And still the hero, because of the color of his skin, is being questioned. But he was pardoned. So it's all fine. (laughs) I did want to, before we moved on from this, so I did want to point out that the teen who answers the door and escorts them out Mm. is Eli Bradley. And played by Elijah Richardson, he was in When They See Us, an amazing Netflix miniseries that everybody in the world should watch. Absolutely amazing. It's about the Central Park Five. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the comics, Eli is Isaiah's grandson, and Eli follows in his grandfather's footsteps and becoming Patriot of the Young Avengers. So that's super cool. I think like at this point with Wiccan speed being introduced, we're getting Kate Bishop and Hawkeye, and we're getting a, you know, Miss Marvel and all these other younger characters. I'm like, if Young Avengers happens, I'm going to flip out. <laughs> phase 86. They'll finally no. be around. This phase. Phase four. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> so after that disgusting scene with these police officers, it turns out that Bucky is the one being arrested because he is worn out for his arrest for missing his therapy with Dr. Rayner. Dr. Rayner. <laughs> At the jail, we see that none other than John Walker pretty much gets Bucky out of jail. And effectively erases all of his mandated therapy. Yeah. He's like, he, he's going to be busy. We got to work together. So sorry, Dr. Rayner, you're done. <gasps> Mental health. <laughs> yeah, Excuse me. Super important. And also, did you ask him? And that's why Dr. Rayner shows up because it's like, all of this is happening around Bucky and all of the therapies are getting taken away. And she's like, who authorized this? And he's like, mm, I did. In the most douchey way possible with both hands flipping towards himself. It's like, <laughs> also, I did want to point out too, and I don't know how many days have passed since we last saw 
John Walker, but when did he have time to grow a beard? Well, that's why they studied him at MIT. <laughs> His hair growth is off the charts. He just thinks real hard. And it pops. <laughs> Gross. Stubble. <laughs> I want to be tough today. I don't I don't like it. So we get one of the best the scenes in the series so far, and it's a therapy session between Dr. Rayner and Sam and Bucky, which I think is just perfect. And this was a scene that I think everybody saw in the trailer and loved. I, I couldn't wait for this scene. We were waiting, and they gave it to us in episode two, and it <laughs> opens with Sam calling Bucky Freaky Magoo. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. <laughs> so Dr. Rayner makes them do the soul gazing exercise, which Bucky says he likes, and Sam is just not here for it. Well, because Bucky is known as like the staring assassin. Right, exactly. <laughs> He's so, always staring at people. <laughs> so after a brief staring contest, which Rayner ends with sweet Jesus, which made me laugh so hard. So good. Yeah, the emotional center of this episode really arrives mm -hmm. because – at this point, we find out that Bucky assumes that by Sam rejecting Steve's shield, that Steve made the wrong choice about him. Mm -hmm. Like he made the wrong decision and he, he whatever hope that he had for Bucky was not right. With this, uh, Sam replies with, maybe this is something that you and Steve will never understand. So I, I feel like that's alluding to him being a person of color and these two white guys will never understand the decisions he has to make or even just being a superhero. Right. And I feel like here it's, you know, we're, we're piecing this together by the scenes that have happened prior to this uh, in the comic, Sam Wilson, Captain America. It starts with him flat out being like, I don't want to do this because of the political mess of this country. Right. And I know what it means to be a black man right. in power. You know, he full out says like, that's why I'm not doing this. And, and we're seeing it come to fruition in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. Yeah. Which it should. I mean, it's in the comics for a reason. It's a story that needs to take place. There there can't be a new Captain America without Sam and Bucky dealing with everything. We're just having a story about Sam and Bucky. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just no way that this we can't go forward with the new Captain America without these two. And I think, you know, what comics do so well, this is just looking at it from a wider lens, is that comics take these superheroes, but they deal with very real problems. You know, so, okay... WandaVision, Wanda was dealing with grief, but then you look at something like the X-Men, but they're dealing with prejudice. So you think of Captain America number one, he's punching Hitler in the face. You know yep. what I mean? The Nazis were a real thing. So it's tying in the real world, these very real things that are happening into the lives of these superhero characters. And we see how it affects them. And I think it's done very, very well. I just also want to acknowledge in a very real sense that we are two white men sitting right. here talking about this. So, you know, please check any privilege that we have inherently with us and, you know, I just want you to know that we are very aware of that. Right. It's always good to check check people's privilege. All right. So back back to the episode. So after the pair leave therapy, they run into the goober squad of John and Hoskins. Who's he's playing with the siren, rude. Yeah, I think that's illegal. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> when again, offering for everybody to work together. Uh, when Bucky and Sam say no, we get the line that just makes me not trust him. At all, because he says, stay out of my way, <laughs> mm -hmm. which was not a very Steve-ish statement to do. So if you're trying to be Captain America, if you're trying to be like Steve, you're not doing a great job. And I don't trust you after this moment. Nope. At all. <laughs> no, because again, it's about him. Right. It's about what I can do. It's what I have to do. It's about the glory that I need for myself. Stay out of my way. Right. Not America's way. <laughs> He thinks he is America. <laughs> I am America. I'm Captain America. It's Ugh. in my name. Yeah, I, I hate it. Next thing we get is we're back with the Flag Smasher crew and they're smuggling the goods when we find out that Power Broker's men finds them. Mm -hmm. And so one of their super soldiers stays behind and gets killed in the process. So that's pretty much the end scene that we're building up to. And I just wanted to talk about Power Broker for a second. So who is Power Broker? So in the comics, Power Broker Inc., is ran by Curtis Jackson, an evil businessman who sold superpowers to whomever was willing to pay for them. He also like discarded of the people that developed nasty disabilities from the super serum. Oh, nice. Yeah, in, in sewers to hide his mistakes. <laughs> so I'm sure they'll rise up against him. But as far as we know, we have no idea who Power Broker is in this instance, if it is just one person or if it is an actual organization. 
that's a mystery to be solved in the rest of this show. Indeed. But I'm I'm piecing together a little theory, a little Derek hypothesis here. Oh, great. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> so I believe that what the Flag Smashers took from the power broker is the super soldier serum. I could see right? it. Yep. It's not the vaccines. It's the thing that made them stronger because we know that he gives people powers. Right. right. So now we've seen the separation, like the official separation of Sam and Bucky and new Captain America and Battlestar. Right. So I think going along with the theme of the enemy of my enemy is my friend, Power Broker is going to get in touch with new Captain America and be like, hey, we both hate the Flag Smashers. You know how I'm going to help you take them down? I'm going to give you powers. Mm. So our boy, new Captain America, is going to go over to the dark side with <laughs> Power Broker, and he is going to take the serum to get stronger, just like in the comics. And he's going to, you know, be a menace to society. I mean, if he does do that, though, then that's going to go against his government issued being Captain America. And then the shield will go to Sam. I hope so. I think that would be the opportunity for because there's a moment in this episode where Bucky tells Sam, why can't we just go steal the shield? Mm -hmm. And Sam's like, we can't just beat a guy up and steal his stuff. It's like, I mean, you can with him. Like, I don't <laughs> think anybody's going to be that upset. No, but I think that would give them the opportunity to get the shield back. I'm starting to think, like, at this point, I could be wrong, but in the trailers, when we see Sam using the shield, I either feel like one that is going to be like a flashback thing or like mm. one of the last scenes in this series. So I hope that's not the case. I want him to get the shield as soon as possible and become Captain America because when he deserves it yeah. and everybody needs to calm down. <laughs> I just pictured him in my mind in the Captain America costume and it looks so badass. I might have seen a spoiler. <gasps> Yeah. Oh. Thanks to the toy companies. It always happens. Oh, I shake my fist at you action figures. Yeah, action figures always ruin this type of stuff. So if anybody wants to see that, let me know. I'll, <laughs> I'll send it to you. <laughs> so the very last scene that we get in this episode, Bucky comes up with the definitely bad plan to go talk to Zemo, to interrogate him, talk to him about... Hydra's experiments on Isaiah Bradley because Sam is finding out and I think Bucky is realizing too that the super soldier serum is still being used and it's still being out there. And if we remember from the first Captain America, it doesn't just give you super strength or make you the peak of human possibility. It also, it changes you with who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. That's why it worked for Steve. Steve was the best of the he best. Was good. He was yeah. good person. That's why what happened to Red Skull happened to Red Skull. He turned into a disgusting Nazi because he was a Nazi. So like having this out there, who knows what the ramifications could be. So I think that them finding him is a good idea in theory, but he's in prison. So are they going to have to bust into prison to see him or talk to him? But at this point, we do get a shot of what Zemo's been up to. And he's just been in his cell hanging out by himself. And I wanted to point out, and this might be a stretch, but it is Disney. And I feel like they are referring to Star Wars in this moment. So <laughs> if you remember on the screen where we see Zemo, he's in cell number 2187. But if you remember from A New Hope, what cell is Princess Leia being held in? 2187. So I think that's interesting. So Zemo is our Princess Leia. Yay! <laughs> and he's Bucky's brother or something. <laughs> Um, where is his purple hood? When is he getting the purple hood? I need the purple hood. I mean, we know he gets it, so. True. How does he get out? Maybe they bust him out. Ooh. Oh, not great. So many lines are being crossed in this <laughs> entire thing. Who's bearing up with who? Who's friends with who? Who's whose enemy? Oh my gosh, it's so confusing. I mean, justice isn't black and white, you know? So it's, it's all over the place. Ooh. You got to break some rules to... to get the bad guy. Whatever <laughs> side of justice that Sam and Bucky are on, I'm on that side. Yeah, I mean, as long as Zemo doesn't do his like freight car longing fire log hopscotch whatever the words were to bucky <laughs> then i'm gonna totally trust bucky <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah but things could turn easily we'll yeah. see i guess we'll see if he um if he got over that whole brainwashing triggering thing while he was in wakanda so i mean he made progress to his road to redemption but are the triggering words still in there white wolf baby i could see zemo trying to use them oh yeah so I'm he not... still has that notebook he's yeah. ready <laughs> i'm sure he remembered them there's only like a string of 10 words <laughs> so many words <laughs> so that's it that's it for this episode lots of stuff lots of theories 
It's another edition of <laughs> Bird Facts. I totally forgot about this segment. <laughs> Bird Facts. <laughs> Sorry. Today, we will meet the Shrike. Taking on the appearance of a little burglar, the Shrike <laughs> has a gruesome way of dealing with its prey. Dressed in black, white, tans, and grays, this little bird has a black swatch across its eyes and a deathly beak. Ooh. Part of its scientific name derives from the Latin word for butcher. Perched up high on utility poles, trees, and fences across North America, huh. this little guy stands between 16 and 25 centimeters, <laughs> waiting for bugs, small rodents, lizards, and even other birds to cross its path. Oh my God. Once it has its prey in its path, it attacks using its beak to kill. What it does next is the surprising thing. It then impales its food on branches, letting it rot until it is soft enough to eat. One can often spot the Shrike perched proudly with its menagerie of death. Are you serious? Yes. So be very careful when you're Google image searching the Shrike. Oh, no. Because there's many pictures of it, like literally perched on a branch (laughs) with a mouse impaled on it. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's horrific. And it's just like, I did it. (laughs) It swoops down. And some thought that like it like pierced their necks. But apparently when they look at the high frame footage and they slow it down, it twists their necks (gasps) so fast that it snaps them and paralyzes them. And then they impale them. I, I am, I know when to be scared of something. I'm scared of this bird. I know it can't kill me because I'm like a million times bigger than it. But I got to appreciate the. The gruesomeness and the just fact of like, like I, nature's so weird. So weird. It's terrifying. Like, how does it know to leave its food out so it gets soft so it can eat it? Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, last week we had a bird that has a completely different organ that ferments food. <laughs> this week we got one that's you know putting shrimp on the Barbie, <laughs> making like little I don't know shish kebabs oh or something. God. It's crazy. In North America, I wonder if. I'm going to try to keep my eye out for those. Yeah, yeah. They they spend a lot of time sort of near Canada, but then they migrate south. Um, but they're in other countries as well. But there's a lot of them in North America. Fun. That's the strike. Oh, my God. Okay. Oof. On that note. Yikes. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to A Bite Of, artwork and editing by our own Noah. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at a bite of pod and on Facebook at a bite of. If you have questions, recommendations, or just want to say hi, you can email us at a bite of pod at gmail.com. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Please be sure to rate and review to spread the word. Hope you join us next time on a bite of. Bye. Bye.